0: Just going to remove a few pens and quite a collection of things up on here. Um, got some verses of the year. If anybody still wants one of those, there's some on the front. Great. So this morning we obviously are thinking about the resurrection, and uh, I hope you were able to follow uh, the reading that Mike gave us from John 20. If you've got that, you may want to open it. Um, I wonder if anyone here listens to. And to see if the clicker works. Uh, the Unbelievable Truth on Radio 4. Anybody know that program? A few people. Yes, yes, yes. Well, for those of you who don't, it's a game show on Radio 4 in which panelists try to secrete nuggets of truth into um, fabricated lies that they're making up. There's some ridiculous things that come out in it. It's quite fun to listen to. Imagine for a moment that you're in first century Palestine and you hear rumors going around the town um, that the Jewish guy that had been wandering around Galilee and and teaching people and healing people, uh, not only had he been handed over to the Jewish authorities by the Roman governor Pilate, um, which had resulted in them crucifying him, but that the tomb in which he'd been laid was now empty. How would you describe that truth amongst fabricated stories? And who would believe the impossibility of someone? This clicker, I'm afraid, guys, isn't working. Yeah. How would you describe it? How would you um, disguise the truth? And who would believe the impossibility of someone coming back to life after certainly being dead? You see, when Jesus was on the cross, they wanted to take his body down before... um, It became the Sabbath day. The Jewish leaders wanted to get the body down. And so they said, look, let's just check if he's dead already, because he looked dead. So they got the soldiers to put a spear in his side, and out came blood and what they described as water, and they said that, yes, he's definitely died. So people that suggested maybe he'd just fainted, that kind of wouldn't have been the case. So during this week, um, we've got the focus where Jesus came into Jerusalem, if you remember, Palm Sunday, Um, and then the crucifixion where he was cruelly killed, wrapped, entombed, and then suddenly vanishes, it seems, the body gone. Jesus was in control of the timing of all of this. Jesus spoke of his entry to Jerusalem. He set his face to Jerusalem, and he said, go and get a donkey. He knew all about that, where that donkey was going to be. And he rode into Jerusalem. And then he said, go to his disciples, go. And there's a room that's going to be set aside where he had his last supper with his friends. And then the guards coming to the, to the garden. And then the trial. Um, and then the crucifixion. And then the burial. Darkness was over the land as he died. But now it's Easter morning. Easter morning and we come to celebrate all that Easter means today. Friends, I want to take us on a short journey together in these few minutes. I want to consider the, how the impossible became possible. At this moment, it should click on. The, how it became possible, the dead one being raised to life. Let's recap what happened at the resurrection. We read from John's accounts here, and here's some snippets again from that passage in John 20. I think Rob's coming to try and sort me out. Have I not done something right, Rob? Oh, thank you. See? I need somebody that's technical. Uh, John 20. So here's some snippets from John 20, okay? Okay. You see, the gospel writers, you know, the gospel writers, I think we all know this in the gospels. There are four different people writing these gospels, and they've all got their own take on what's happened. We all know, don't we? If we all saw something happen, we'd all write about it differently, slightly differently about the same event. But there are certain aspects of the gospels that are the same. And the resurrection is one that occurs in all the gospels, um, their remembrance. And I want us to think about what the common themes are. So what are the the critical facts, if you like, the common themes in all the accounts? Well, Jesus' body, if you remember, was put in a new tomb. It was given by Joseph of Arimathea, who'd been a follower of Jesus from a distance. And it was put in a garden, it was hewn out of a rock, and a huge rock was put across the front of it. To seal him in, it was new cut, but it was secure, and they put guards there. To, um, Pilate had been asked to um, appoint guards to make sure Jesus could not get out the tomb. <laughs> the Jewish leaders were wanting to ensure that the words that Jesus had spoken previously about rising from the dead could not possibly come true. Okay, so what were the common themes? Well, there was angels. Okay. So we've got angels on the Sunday morning when the woman who'd followed Jesus came to visit the tomb and mourn, to their amazement, they saw angels. All the accounts in the Gospels, the four Gospels, report um, bright beings, angels, um, informing the women that the body was not there. No guards. There were no guards. Matthew reports they'd fainted. That's what he interpreted. Others... Maybe thought they'd understandably fled. They'd been given this assigned duty to guard this notorious criminal, Jesus. Um, And they'd failed in their job. The tomb was open and there was nobody. The one man had escaped. It seemed that the huge rock had been pushed back. And he'd got past the guards and was nowhere to be seen. So there was no body. The angels were there to inform the women that there was no body. They went inside and checked. The long cloths that had been wrapped around the body uh, were around Jesus were lying there, impossible as it may seem. This man, Jesus, who'd been, who had told them previously he would rise again, was no longer wrapped, even, you know, even if the body had been stolen, why would they take the trouble to unwrap the body and leave the cloths there off a corpse? I mean, it's just kind of like hard to imagine why they would do that. And then all the accounts tell of Jesus interacting with people alive Engaging with them who'd followed with follow, people who'd followed him, so angels, nobody, and then Jesus appears. The accounts, while having different emphases on, on different parts, are all consistent with these facts. We read across the gospel accounts of Jesus talking with Mary in the garden, we read that in John, appearing to the disciples who had gathered together, frightened. Do you remember how many times in that, it struck me again this morning as Mike read, how many times Jesus said, peace, peace be with you, peace, don't be worried, peace, peace. They were frightened. Walking along the road to Emmaus, two people, who were and, and then meeting with Thomas, who'd missed out on the first appearance to the disciples. It wasn't a freak, one-off, ghostly appearance, it seems. So this his, historical account... Is it a true account? Is it a true account? Over the centuries, many people and many groups have tried to disprove the resurrection without success. Let's look at some of the theories that they come up with. Firstly, some people say that he never died in the first place. Okay. Now, I've already alluded to that. And, and, and they'd say, well, that accounts for why he's still alive, because he never actually did die in the first place. Do you honestly think that the Roman and Jewish leaders who'd gone to all that trouble of the trial, you know, arranging for him to be stuffed in this tomb with a huge rock, posting guards, do you honestly think they'd then say, well, it doesn't matter really, let's just, you know, let him live anyway? I'm not sure they would. They were hell-bent on seeing the end of Jesus. The custom, as I've said to you earlier, was to check whether... The body was actually uh, dead by spearing their side and a fact, apparently people will know this though cleverer than I am that in fact in a dead body there's a separation between the heavier red cells that sink t- to the bottom and they're much lighter straw colored fluid that they might have thought was like the water the plasma above and that was the case here So the theory that he didn't really die doesn't seem to stack up from the... It seems totally implausible from the facts. To be honest, honestly, wrapped in cloths, stuffed in a tomb, he'd probably have suffocated anyway. So did he die? It seems that Jesus did die. So how about the theory that someone stole the body? Okay. Some people, they thought then that you know came and stole the body away. Well, this is what the Jewish leaders were fearful of, which is why they'd asked Pilate to put a guard there. Again, determined not to see this, allow this man to ever be seen again. So they wanted to quell the threat. Do you remember the Jewish leaders were really, really um, nervous about this uprising of this man who'd got this growing following, who people who were following his teaching, who were being healed by him, that their lives were being transformed by him. They wanted to put an end to him completely. So were the guards inefficient? Had they fled after the earthquake? Matthew's um, gospel seemed to say that they fainted. But were they weak? You know, that a speared and crucified man who'd been stuffed in a tomb for a few days, could overwhelm the guards, who could actually push the rock away. Later, they paid the guards, we read in Scripture, to say someone stole the body. It seems their plans had failed and the soldiers were inadequate against the impossibility of the resurrection. And thirdly, people were saying that his appearance was the ghost, that it was... Some figure that had come back. There were sporadic appearances, they said, of this ghost. In ancient writing, um, apparently, ghosts didn't have feet. Now, strange for us, but apparently that's ancient writing, that ghosts floated. They didn't actually have feet. But interestingly, we read in scripture that the woman worshipped at the feet. Of Jesus. Jesus certainly had feet. He wasn't a ghost-like figure. And also later we read that he ate uh, on the beach with his disciples and ghosts don't eat food. So it was all very real and not at all ghost-like. And so fourthly we have the fact that the resurrection really happened, okay? The foretelling of Jesus that this would occur, the exact timing Of coming back to life the third day just as jesus said paul later writes in corinthians that jesus appeared to 500 people saw the resurrected jesus were they all delusional were they all kind of making this up in their heads and then the angels appeared we had god's breaking in god's intervention breaking over the power of death raising jesus to life again the light of life and uh, we sang about the light earlier on in one of the songs, and it reminded me of John 1, where it says, the light has shone into the darkness, and the darkness has never been able to put it out. So, can it be true? The resurrection happened. That's what it seems. The other the other, um, things that people posit here seem to be uh you know, unbelievable. They're the unbelievable truths, really. The resurrection really happened. But why is the resurrection so significant for for us today? One Corinthians fifteen verse fourteen says that um, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then our faith is useless. How could the impossible become possible? The resurrection proves that Jesus was who he said he was. In Mark 9:31, Jesus told them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he will rise again. And it happened just as Jesus said, not by fluke, but because he was who he really said he was, the son of God, the truth, because he did die and was raised again, just like he said, It means that we can trust all that he taught. See, the Christian faith hinges on this day, friends. Christianity stands or falls by the truth of the resurrection. Friends, this day, this event is the foundation of our faith. Let's just come back to that. Let's just center back on that today. It's the foundation of our faith in the living Son of God. Jesus was not a good teacher Who then snuffed it and it was good while it lasted. This day is the core of our faith. No wonder we rise, Ian leading us to celebrate this day. His resurrection demonstrates he's broken the power of death and sin. Colossians two has this lovely picture. He talks about cancelling the charge of legal indebtedness. Which stood against us he's taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing through the cross or in the good news version it says leading them as captives sin and death in his victory procession And that's a lovely picture because, you know, in Roman times, if somebody conquered in a particular area, they would lead um, those that they'd conquered in in a train behind them and they would process through the town. And this is the picture of Jesus leading the things that he had conquered, sin and death, in a victory procession. This is what Jesus has done, friends. Hallelujah. His resurrection is also amazing news for us so it's, it says who he is, that he is who he says he is, and his, his resurrection is amazing news for us. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty says, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who've died. It means that he's the first to be raised to life evermore. And that we can be those who follow him into resurrection life if we believe friends you know we mourn for friends who've passed away for loved ones spouses we think we prayed this morning for Terry's friends and family but friends the resurrection gives us such hope it says we the bible says we don't grieve as those who have no hope it gives us such hope eugene peterson it, who wrote the message version of the bible says in a book uh, called uh, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, he says, the Christian life begins as a community that is gathered at the place of impossibility, the tomb. You see, it seemed impossible, didn't it? Jesus put in a tomb and then r- being raised to life again. We remember, we celebrate today, not only the raising of Jesus from the death, but the sure hope that we have of resurrection life beyond the grave the impossible becoming possible because of the resurrection and third significance um, is it's true because he says who who he, he was his resurrection is amazing news for us and that we can know the same resurrection power friends at work in us i wonder if we really believe that this morning Can I just ask you, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian maybe years and years, do we really believe that it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? Our home group has been studying Ephesians in these last few weeks. And Ephesians 1 says this, how very great is his power at work in us who believe. This power working in us is the same as the mighty power, mighty strength which raised Jesus from the dead. We don't come as perfect people today, do we? I, don't, I certainly don't. We come as people who need God's power to be at work in our lives. Brian McLaren, a writer, has said, Jesus showed us um, his scars. And we're starting to realize we don't have to hide ours. So fellowship is for scarred people and for scared people. And for people who want to believe but aren't sure what or how to believe. Friends, we gather as people together today, a high percentage of us, if not all of us, um, in that, in those words. And yet out of our brokenness, we can know his resurrection power at work in us. Isn't that amazing? Many of you could testify to God's power at work in your lives over the years. And lastly, when Jesus appeared to the people after his resurrection, it seemed that people responded in different ways. Let's just take a moment to think about them. Mary, she took a while to recognize Jesus. Do you remember? She thought he was the gardener. When Mike read to us, she thought he was the gardener. And it wasn't until Jesus spoke her name, Mary. Mary. I wonder if you have heard or sensed God calling your name. He knows your name. Friends, you may not feel you're close to him or you know him or you may be visiting with a friend today, but Jesus knows your name, whatever it is. Uh, Catherine, Tamara, Godfrey, Vicky, Ian, Peter. You know, he knows our names. Have we heard him? God knows each of us. Have you recognized him, Jesus, as the risen Lord? Or for the disciples, Jesus appeared, and it seems they instantly knew it was Jesus. For some of us, we quickly come to recognize Jesus. Maybe that was like it for you. Or for Thomas, he'd not been with the main group of disciples when Jesus first appeared to them. And he said he couldn't, he wouldn't believe until he could see the nail prints with his own eyes, and he could touch those. Some of us take a bit of convincing that Jesus really is the Lord. Is he the truth? He rose as he said he would. He is the truth. He embodies truth. He leads us into the truth. It all rests in Jesus, the crucified one, the risen one. But some of us may be like Thomas. We need a bit more convincing. Or the two disciples on the road to Emmaus read on in the Gospels. They were keen to know Jesus. They were talking about him but they didn't recognize that jesus was alongside them you know maybe you've hung around the fringes of this church or a church for a long time maybe you've hung out with christians brought up in church circles you know lots about jesus but you've never realized that he was alongside you the crucified one dying in your place risen for you i wonder where you are on that journey to recognition this morning. Perhaps you just wanna take a moment to think, where am I? Mary said, brothers, I have seen the Lord with the eyes of faith. Can you say this morning, I recognize Jesus. I know he died for me. I rejoice that he rose. He is the way, the truth and the life, the life everlasting. The death and the resurrection of Jesus being celebrated across the globe today is the pivotal point in salvation history. If you've never realized it today, then coming here, and we're going to come around the table of the Lord here, perhaps it's the first time you say, yes, Jesus, I recognize you as the Lord. He is the impossible becoming possible. And for those who do know Jesus, maybe you've been following for a while, like the disciples. But are we really open to his resurrection power at work in our lives? Not just for the afterlife, but which he's opened up by way of the resurrection. For the here and now, his power alive in you, enabling you to live in the good of all that he won at Calvary. Friends, as we come to the table of the Lord today, come with fresh eyes to all that his resurrection makes possible, his life in us. We celebrate that today. We're going to take a moment of quiet. And as we do, we're going to have some words on the screen. And Siona's going to lead us in singing. And if you want to join in, we'll just stay seated as we come to the communion table. But we're going to sing Behold the Lamb, and we're going to focus on this Jesus, dead but raised to life. So let's sing together as we come to communion.